Welcome to the Antler Up Podcast, brought to you by Spartan Forge. Black Rifle Coffee Company is a veteran-owned coffee company serving premium coffee to people who love America. Fall is upon us, and there's no better way to get fueled up before hunt than with some Black Rifle Coffee. Coffee legitimately tastes better after a day in the woods or after a successful hunt. Fuel your next adventure and purchase at www.blackriflecoffee.com and use code ANTLER at checkout to save 20% off your purchase and or with your first coffee club subscription, Black Rifle Coffee. Also, just want to say a big thank you to our partners over at America's Best Bowstrings, hand-built in the USA since 2006. Amazing customer service, awesome quality and performance. Their Platinum Series strings are what we all run on our bows. We absolutely love them. Go and create a custom set today at americasbestbowstrings.com. Before we get into this episode, let's thank our partners over at Shea Butler Knives. And Shea makes custom everyday carry knives with the Rhino and Pursuit. His Ranger and Whitetail and Featherlight knives are amazing for anything, but especially out in the field. Shea's creativity, high quality materials, functional but unique designs, coupled with his precise leather work, make products that will last a lifetime. Check them out over at SheaButlerKnives.com. Our friends over at Half Rack just released some awesome gear and they were great enough to give our listeners 10% off their order. All you have to do is click on the link in the podcast bio or the link on our link tree on Instagram and that will give you your percentage off at checkout. So get some of the highest quality hunting and outdoor accessories that will help you prosper in the field. Half Rack is aiming to be mindful of the past, conservation conscious and evolve into the future. Thanks to our partners over at Tether. Tether makes premium saddle gear by saddle hunters for the saddle hunter. They just dropped some new gear like the MVP, which can turn your saddle into a two panel or just a more rigid back support and also some new suspenders. So if your saddle tends to sag, grab a pair and both items are retrofitted. So it doesn't matter what saddle or brand you have, they're going to work. Check them out at tethernation.com. Forged in combat and tailored for hunters, Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly innovative and science-based products that save the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. You can now take Spartan Forge with you wherever you go by downloading the mobile app. Enjoy deer prediction analysis, weather forecasts, historical data, detailed journaling, as well as crisp maps. It's time for you to make the most of your season and let Spartan Forge do that for you. Use code ANTLERUP to save 20%. Check it out over at SpartanForge.ai. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Antler Up Podcast. We are on episode 97, and Dimitri and I were joined by Ryan Glitzky of Pennsylvania. He resides in that southwestern part of PA where he has become one of the best hunters around. He shares in this episode how scouting has played a role in how he hunts the big woods and how he seems to be successful year after year. This one has a little bit of everything whitetail in it. 
Thank you so much for coming on, Ryan. Enjoy this one, everybody. Get out there for the last week for statewide of archery here in Pennsylvania. Those of you going out in the guns already, good luck out in other states. Best of luck to you. We'll be coming up here sh- shortly. So sit back, enjoy this fun episode, and antler up. Well, dude, uh, we're, we'll go ahead and just get rolling if you're cool with that. Thing yeah, I'm ready, man. What I wanted to talk to you about is obviously Pennsylvania. Um, I want to talk to you where I think my biggest hole in my hunting knowledge and tool bucket or whatever you want to call it, um, I would say is, is my scouting, Yeah, Um, you know, and and I know you do a phenomenal job with that and how you do your postseason scouting to your hunts next year. And, uh, and obviously I want to talk about your success here in Pennsylvania, but then I know when we first started kind of when I messaged you about, man, that would be a great podcast about your Ohio trip. Ohio trip yeah. You know, I know what I did wrong and yep. you know, I want you to talk to, to us about that as well. So we'll kind of, we'll roll with that, dude. Yep. Sounds good. Awesome, man. Well, Ryan, let's, let's get into it. I want to know, cause you've been doing this, you've been very successful for the last couple, you know, for a long time you've been doing it. I mean, look at your, your room behind you and everything on the wall. So, uh, I think that's every guy's dream. Yeah. I got, a, I got a few there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what, what would you say, you know, you have those introductions that people talk about and we've done different ways to, to do it. You know, for a Pennsylvania hunter, what do you think it takes to be successful year after year? Uh, I mean, it comes down to be NPA with the pressure. And, you know, we're getting with the ant restrictions over here last 20 years, we are getting bigger bucks. Um, But it's still a numbers game, especially on the public land. Um, To me, to be consistent, it comes down to scouting. Um, Comes down to your scouting, you know, postseason and in season. And then it says you got to put some time in that tree. Um, you know, I don't care if you're early season, late season, the rut, whatever. It comes down to ass time in that stand, uh, especially with, you know, it's a numbers game. So, you know, it's not like we're hunting an area that has four or five mature bucks in a given area. You know, you might be just hunting that needle and stacking needles, you know, <laughs> trying to pick that one out. It can get tough sometimes, you know. Um, to me, a lot of it just comes down to <laughs> just sheer grit and grinding it out, to be honest with you. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I mean, this year was a a fun year for me because, and and to say fun, you're gonna be like, what? Like you thought it was fun, even though I didn't see as many deer as I have in yeah. the past. In the past, and yeah. which is kind of odd because I would say for my and for, I could even speak for Dimitri and I, like our when we did things together here where we live in central Pennsylvania, uh, we had the quality and the quantity of deer on on cameras. And yeah which was fantastic for us. I mean, how did you feel about that? Yeah, it was probably our best uh, trail cam inventory before the season mm-hmm. we have ever had. Yeah. But uh just seemed like after the summer pattern, they kind of all dispersed and spread dispersed. out. Yeah. But yeah, you'll I, see that a lot. I mean, and that's the thing, but like even some of our core areas that we will go off of history and like, hey, normally deer are here or pockets of deer, doe. <laughs> Like, Ryan, I barely saw doe <laughs> this year. Yeah, you know what I did? I have talked to a lot of guys. I know, like, the you know, we have another week here left in PA. Yep. Um, you know, I was, I tagged out the 27th of October, which is kind of actually early for me. I'm typically that 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth period, you know, in the rut. Uh, but a lot of guys talked to, it seems to be an off year for some reason. 
yeah. for, for the rut and everything else. Seems to be pretty slow. Why that is, I'm not sure. Um, I know the the foliage on the trees and that stayed on a lot longer this year. It seemed like fall took a little bit longer to get here. Uh, we didn't get a really get a frost until well in November, it seemed. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that has a lot to do with the acorns or what. I'm not sure. Um, but it does seem to be a little bit of an off year. I mean, last year we had that heat wave for 10 days. That explained a lot. This year, I'm not sure. But, uh, you know, even my cameras were during the rut um, were hot and cold. You know, it would be a couple of days and all of a sudden it would pick up and then it would die back off. So it has been a different year. I'm actually anxious to look at now, like once we have this week off, like when our season's done here on Friday, yeah. just to go back and look at some of my cell camera data. Because like yeah. you just said, there was a period, I would say, from like November, th mainly third until about like that six, like that three day window. Yeah. Just, I was getting like, holy crap, buck, buck, yeah. buck, buck. Yeah. You know, yeah. even if it was a big boy or a little guy, it was just buck, buck, buck. Yeah. And there became that, that dead period when they're, I don't know if they're locked down at that point already, or just, you know, going out seeking and going a little bit farther for yeah. in their range. Um, but I'm anxious to go back to see what that data tells me. Yeah. That's what I've been doing here. I've been starting to, uh, you know, I like to let my camera soak for the season. Yeah. Um, you know, we have bear season coming in here Saturday. So I'm trying to get most of them out of the big woods and the mountains um, so they don't, you know, walk off. Um, but that's what I'll do. I'll start breaking down all that data here and uh, seeing, especially a lot of new areas that I've scouted, like last postseason. I like to hang cameras, let them do the hunting for me if I can't get in there and kind of use that data and kind of see what days were hot in there. Because a lot of times you'll see those, you know, some, you know, everybody thinks the rut is 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 fantastic for, 25 30 days straight it's not that i mean i may hunt you know i take a month off vacation to hunt and if i'm in pa hunting hard for two three four weeks straight i may only have two or three like fantastic days yeah. the other days are average or below average i don't think a lot of people don't understand that the rut's not you know great every day you're out there um so sometimes that, that you got to take that into consideration just you know you just gotta be in the right place right time you know a lot of times with that yeah well, and that's what I even think that we've kind of developed over the last three years is learning kind of our areas where we're hunting is is when that buck movement is more yeah. dominant yeah. on certain days or certain yeah. times of the year versus others. So then you can go back and say, okay, well, it's this weekend, this spot's yeah. technically hot. And then if you yeah. add your trail cameras from this year onto that intel, and then you can kind of figure out where you need to be at what period of time. Yep, I do a lot of times. You start putting those those pieces of the puzzle together with your, you know, your postseason scouting and your camera data. You put those two things together, you can really hone in on a spot. Because a lot of times, you know, a certain area, those mature bucks know when them does are going to pop. And a lot of times in family groups of does are going to come in the same time pretty much every year. So say it's November 6th, 7th, 8th or something, a family group in. I can guarantee you next year that spot's going to get hot again. You know, I've seen that many times. It's kind of even where I killed my buck this year. It's similar. You get a doe group, it's going to pop early or whatever time in November. Uh, you you learn that. You can hone in on that and get pretty yeah. successful off that. Yeah. Well, let's break down the scouting stuff before we get into buck okay. stories and, and all that yep. stuff. Just just because, again, I'm, I've been – I, I don't want to say I've been beating myself up because like last year, I feel like, you know, I've said it before. I put a little bit of pressure on this year. I've had zero pressure. I just said, let's go have fun. Let's hunt, yep. you know, yep. make memories and, and try maybe a different thing here and there. Uh, and so I feel like, again, come, you know, just be brutally honest. I think my whole, my game is, is my scouting. And mm -hmm. 
you know, when you break it down, like, where does it start for you? You know, is it, is it the, the location is, you know, how do you do that with the cameras? Just start from the ground zero. Like, dude, you, here's your one Oh one, get better at scouting. Um, you well, I actually, uh, you know, I grew up hunting a lot of farm country, hill country type, and I've transitioned here the last probably two years and more of the big woods mountain stuff. So, um, you know, cause that area holds, you know, more mature bucks. So I've been kind of transitioning that way. So this is pretty good for that. How I started with that was, you know, on, on X, you know, your cyber scouting. Um, typically what I'm looking for, um, if I start round cover, clear cuts or something, you know, that's where I'll start. And like, when I start, like, say I go out on Saturday morning, I'll have a predetermined location kind of on a map, you know, I'm kind of looking for a clear cut or something like that. And that kind of, that's point A where I'll start going. Um, then once I get to that area is when I just start branching out. I just start putting boots on the ground. Um, I've said it before, it seems like, you know, on a Saturday, I'll be out, you know, seven, eight, nine miles in. And it's mile nine. <laughs> I haven't found a damn thing. And I find that spot. Um, you know, you don't always find the areas on a map. Um, lots of things I'm looking for, you know, I'm always looking for cover, some type of edge, some type of transition. But I'm, what I'm really trying to find around those areas, you know, I'm reading the sign, you know, I'm looking for rubs and looking for scrapes and all that stuff in the bedding. Um, but I'm, I'm looking for kind of an overlook funnel, I guess you can say, um, or something like that where, where people aren't going to be in it. Because a lot of guys are going to be in like the saddle, the inside corners. I can most guarantee you're going to have tree stand in a lot of those places. So not you're not going to kill something there. I'll look at them, uh, but I'll come off of that sign sometimes. And what I'll do is I'll come off of that. And uh, just start putting the pieces of the puzzle together from there. Um, you know, what I'm looking for typically in my scouting is, you know, I'm looking for a couple things that come together. Um, terrain, edge, um, the cover, kind of everything kind of piecing together there. Um, you know, I'm big on scrapes, running my camera, stuff like that. If there's a big scrape there where I'll put a mock scrape in, that helps a lot running the camera and get an idea if that location is pretty hot. Um, but it's it just, it's just putting boots on the ground and just, you know, it's almost like that spidey sense goes off. Um, you know, that sixth sense goes off and just tells you when you're in a good area. And, uh, like I said, typical of those areas, there's going to be multiple things coming together to make that area hot and, you know, that I'm going to pay attention to. Like one of my favorite things to find, um, it could be farm country, hill country, or, or in the big woods is, is like almost like an erosion ditch or something back in the timber. I love those little places like that where you don't see it on a map, you know, once you get into timber, you, you see that and you see those trails cutting ahead of those cuts or stuff like that. I love little areas like that. Uh, but a lot of times I'm looking for an area that multiple things are going to come together. So it's going to give me multiple opportunities. Um, you know, you're going to have cover, transition, your edge, a funnel of some sort. You're going to have that all kind of playing in together. Um, the perfect scenario is for me, especially for the rut. Now I'm mostly just a rut hunter. Um, is if I can get two or three bedding areas, say doe bedding or bedding areas in general, and if you look like, like say a hub of a wheel, if you can find something kind of in the center of that, around them bedding areas, like a triangle, each point there's a bedding area, you can get yourself positioned in the middle of that kind of in some type of tight pinch. That that's money. That that's that's a you know as long as your access, your wind's good, and your thermals, um, that's pretty much a done deal on those areas there. If there's a good bucking area. Stuff like that, you know, a couple of things coming together, you know, into a certain spot and it makes that area hot. Now, is there a certain time that if you're going to scout a new area, are you going after the season? Are you going 
maybe in the spring or the summer? Does it just depend when you have the free time? When you typically trying to piece together a new new area that you've e-scouted? Um, now, like I said, I tagged out here on the 27th of October. Um, it's still hunting season, so I, I don't want to be out in the woods and mess anybody up. You know, so I, I'll do a little bit right now. You know, I'll drive around the parking lots empty. If I get a couple cameras in location, I'll get back and pull cameras, do a little scouting. But typically, you know, our season, what I think it's about second weekend in January. Yeah. Um, I think we're done bowing. That I'm in. Then I'm starting. I'm launching a lot of snow. Um, I will scout with some snow, but I'm not. I'm, I don't really like to care to scout snow because it's hard to pick up sometimes, pick up some of the sign. Um, but usually come January, I'm starting. Um, and how I, I, I'm pretty fortunate with my, uh, family schedule, um, with my wife and that typically every Saturday morning, I'm in the woods, um, scouting. Um, I put on five, six up, maybe 10 plus miles on a Saturday. Sometimes Sundays I'll get up to depending on family obligations. Um, but pretty much at least every Saturday I'm out putting miles on. How do we get at, uh, for our wives? (laughs) (laughs) I'm fortunate. My wife. Uh, you know, everybody knows my nickname is Moose and, you know, I'm big in the lifting, but uh, I think she's worse than me. Like yeah. as I'm with Hunt, she's like out with the gym. So she goes to the gym on Saturdays and somebody watches the kid at daycare. So it's perfect. <laughs> I get to go in the woods. So I have a pretty, pretty unique situation with that. You know, we'd see a lot of pressure in PA, especially during the rifle season. So, yeah. you know, a lot of these mature bucks are getting pushed around, you know, some of them will hunker down, but you know, guys are doing deer drives and, and pushing. Now, do you see a lot of the times that maybe you had a, a nice mature buck on trail camera during the archery season and you come start that scouting after the, the PA seasons are completed that that buck will move in? Do you think he changes, maybe changes his core area if he gets pushed too far? You know, what have you seen over the years of, you know, trying to relocate or, you know, trying to find where that deer may have moved to? Um, from my experience, like a lot of times when I'm hunting, you guys know how the pressure is here. It's hard to get them to two and a half, let alone three and a half. Some in some places, you know, Northern pay, they're, they're, you're, you're, you're tend to have a little bit more of a structure up there for age class, you know, down here in the South, it's hit and miss. You know, I grew up hunting really, really heavy pressured areas and, um, uh, typically them two-year-olds were dead. It, you know what I mean? So it's tough. But now that I transitioned to big woods last year, what I'm seeing is I'll get these big bucks on camera in the summer through the fall then rifle season kicks in um but what i'm noticing they come back to their core area they, they, they don't leave um they're either hunkered down in their core area or they're not far from it i don't believe um you'd be surprised how they can survive you know um just what i'm seeing the last two years is, is they're going to stick around still um they may like i said they may shift for a couple weeks or something until the pressure dies down um but i believe um they're going to move back in their core area now they may move in that core area uh, depending on a couple miles, depending on food for the winter, stuff like that. Um, but I'm picking those bucks back up in the same locations in the summer again through the fall. Yeah. Now I noticed too this year you were I you made a post of I think it was your most recent post too about uh, like some of the data that you're doing and uh, how you've been setting up your trail cameras. What have you done that? How the how has that evolved? Yeah, I, I run roughly about 30 cameras. Um, my main strategy with them is to let them soak. If I can, you know, probably majority of them, but I run, I'd say 90% plus of mine are going to be on a scrape. And what I'm seeing is the activity, especially on a big community, big primary scrape, typically off some type of cover. Summertime, I'm getting big bucks in daylight, nighttime, whatever. And I will continue, especially in the big wood settings, 
Um, I will continue to get those bucks all the way through fall. Um, they just, they don't stop hitting them. That's what I've noticed with that. Um, now, when it comes to a hunting strategy, we're all big on this scrape week, which I am too. And I've killed some bucks off, you know, that, that week. And even in November, I've killed bucks off scrapes. Um, but what I've noticed here in the last couple of years, this will be the third season now. Um, I've had a handful of bucks, 140 to 150 plus daylighting. Like I, I could have killed easily in beginning of October to mid-October. Um, the problem where I've got bit in the ass is I like my cameras soak. And when I go to check the cameras, it's too late. Um, that's where I think the uh, cell cams can uh, be dangerous, to be honest with you, in a yeah. situation like that. But I'm really seeing a lot of good bucks hitting these scrapes early to mid-October. Um, you know, a couple of friends of mine, they're big on that too, and I picked up on that. And I'm seeing at first, I thought, yeah, one or two bucks. I'm seeing it all the time now. Uh, every time I pull them cameras, I'm seeing, you know, anywhere from October 3rd to October 16th, uh, you know, these bucks um, are hitting these straights in daylight. It is a lot off the front, so especially like that first cold front in October. Um, I think this year, I think we had a pretty good one around the 13th, 14th. I'm not real sure of date, um, but I had a couple really good bucks. I've been checking cameras here. Uh, showed up and around that time, some really big bucks, you know, daylight. Now, here's a question for you, Ryan, because my dad and I, we belong to a, a hunting club for, well, I have pretty much like my whole, my whole life. My dad has been there for 40 years and it's big wood. It's big, it's mountain terrain features. And, you know, it's kind of cool because this past year we've been getting nice deer on camera and I hunt here in central PA public land, but every couple once in a week, while weekends, I go home to hunt, hunt with him. It's so funny because I've, I've been telling friends this, there's a kind of like a quad road that runs down this on the one side where my dad and I hunt. And it just seems like within the 15 to 20 yards off of that road and on either side, there's trails just walking right up it alongside of it. And just this past weekend when I was there hunting, I was just floored of how much the deer use that road. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I look at like how you were saying like e-scouting and I said to my dad, I'm like, I'm making it a point for sure to get here as long as the mountains, like you said, not like knee deep and in, in yeah. South. yeah. I want to get here right after the season because there's certain parts on, on when I look at it, I'm like, my gosh, that looks amazing on like according to the map basically you know yeah. what i mean and we've we've done a couple mock scrapes but i don't to be quite honest like i can't recall a time where i found a legit scrape up there i found hundreds of rubs but i mean it's i can't recall now like you and i go scouting here and we're like oh there's a scrape there's a scrape there's a scrape like it's it's almost like it's funny of how not easily we find them here but dude, I can't find them for the life of me back at home. And it's like, yeah, it, it's, it's so hard. So have you noticed anything of, okay, like usually on this trail or something like you, once you do it long enough, um, you, I mean, I can literally, it might sound stupid, but I can walk through the timber in the winter, early spring. And I can pick them out 60, 70 yards away. I can just see the overhanging branches and I can just read the terrain. And I've just been doing it for so long. Yeah. Um, you'll notice a lot of times in your bottoms, your thermal hubs, you'll catch them down there. A lot of times you have a bunch of points of ridges coming down to a creek bottom or something. You, you know, you'll find them in creek bottoms quite a bit. Um, a lot of guys, there's a lot of misconceptions out there. You know, I listen to a lot of podcasts and everybody's like, 
you know, don't hunt the top of those ridges and stuff like that. Man, I find a ton of big scrapes on top of them ridges. I find a lot of big scrape lines on top of them ridges. Now, it's got to have certain things coming together. It's got to have a little bit of cover, and you know, you can't have a ton of people there, you know, of course. But uh, I do find a lot of good scrapes running right, like say the ridge run north to south. Man, I'll pick up a big scrape line just running right up side of that side of that damn thing, you know. And uh, that's a good location there. I'll find them. Uh, a lot of times, what I'll do is. You get a location like that. Say the ridges are running north to south, you find that scrape line. A uh, good tactic I've been doing is I'll run a camera way on the southern end, and I'll run a camera on that northern end. And you want to learn something, you'll see what them bucks are doing. You'll be see the same buck. You may see different bucks how they're running that ridge. Um, that's a good way to hone in on a pretty good hunting spot like that, too, and find a pretty good kill tree. Yeah, and I take back what I said. I, I have found them up there because it's ironic. I What I meant to say was I don't find them in – the big woods per se like if i'm yeah. walking like you said those ridges or we're kind of doing certain th checking certain <laughs> things out i struggle to find them there but on that road when it gets on the top part and it's the more on the north side i the one day i was just walking that that road just because i just wanted to walk it and it was every 40 yards there was a brand new scrape like mm -hmm. you said it, it had it there and it was just scrape you know another 40 yard scrape another 40 yard scrape another 40 yard scrape and again it's literally on a like a man-made like trail road yeah it was just yep. crazy yeah like i said sometimes it, it's it's hard to explain where i find a lot of stuff because every situation is different yeah you know it, it is it, it, it just it, that's where it comes in to get into the scouting the more you do it the better woodsman you come and the more you just pick up on that stuff to be honest with you yeah. a lot of that's a lot of it's that i like it yeah, so now let's kind of transition to that Ohio spot. Like before we get into yeah. that success stuff, you know, let's talk about that. And, you know, you can even like revisit like what you were getting at, like on your Insta story, all that type of stuff. Yeah, it, that starts back in, I'd been Labor Day of 2020. Okay. I went down to Ohio. Um, I had four or five cameras in my pack. Um, you know, I like to scout in the winter and in the early spring, not in end of summer. Um, in this place, let's just say it's a shithole. <laughs> it's it's pretty rough joint. Um, but I was looking at a couple of aerial maps. I figured I'm gonna try to get a couple of cameras out. And to be honest with you, the place was kicking my butt. Um, I came back to my truck for lunch and uh, kind of had a little pep talk talk to myself. And I looked at some uh, maps and I saw this one area off of a saddle where's a clear cut and a couple. You know, I could see a couple of ditches coming up, a couple of cuts coming up the ridge. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna go up on this ridge, and I got up in there, and man, just one big huge scraper on top of this logging road. You can tell they were hitting in the summer, so I ended up running the cell cam. I actually had some cell service. I ran cell cam there. Holy crap! I had probably a dozen bucks poking young plus to about 160 on this camera. And I'm telling you, I got a couple buddies that know about this camera, and pretty much going into this year, now I didn't do any postseason scouting last year. That's that's where I this is where I got burnt. Okay. Um, so basically, I was going off camera data only. Um, so I didn't get down there to posting scout. I went back down here this summer, checked some cards and stuff like that. Had some good bucks in velvet. Had a big 10, a big 8 point on velvet. A couple other decent bucks. So it was looking promising. Um, there was some acorns. I actually went back down there Labor Day weekend again. And uh, this year, and there were some acorns dropping, but I didn't really pay a lot of attention to the acorns. This is what kind of bit me in the ass here. I went off that camera data. And I went down there. I think we started hunting October 30th, me and a couple buddies down there. And it was actually pouring down rain down there. So we all didn't get into about mid-morning that first morning. 
And to be honest, I went up there, um, running my mobile set. And when I went in there, I knew something wasn't right. Um, I could see the scrape. I was like 22, 23 yards from it. And I actually climbed a tree, got up my tree for about an hour. And it just didn't feel right. And I got down. I didn't check the camera was on it because I took the cell cam off. Uh, what okay. other mistake I did is I ran an SD card camera on there because I wanted to get some more information running video mode, kind of see how this box were coming in that scrape. Um, that ended up burning me too with that um, because I checked the scrape and it was probably maybe a quarter of the size of what it was last year, you know, and something just didn't feel right. But I kept them back in my mind. I was stubborn. I'm like, and, man, I had all this in bucks. And it's a very, very low deer density area. So I was like, you know what? Just stick my ass in this stand for seven days straight and one's going to come by you about day four i knew i made a big big mistake i day two mid-morning i should have broke down and just went scouting you know um because actually when i did pull that camera card i think it was day five I ended up doing some scout stuff like that and uh there was i had two bucks like maybe mid-october but it was totally dead in there compared to what it was and uh, i actually did some scouting in there and there was some sign there, some good sign off of that. But what I am having, there's no acorns in there. And it was such a low deer density, um, you know, the doe shift that they're bedding. And while the doe shift they're bedding, the bucks are going to follow. And the area was just totally dead this year. Now, next year, acorns are great, which I'll double check. It might be fantastic, you know. So I, I got burnt this year just going off camera data and not doing any postseason scout or nothing like that, and, you know. And, and either and I didn't have plan B, C, or D either. I kind of was all eggs in the back, you know, pushed everything in the middle there, and it burnt me big time. And I, I learned, uh, been doing this a long time, and I learned a hard lesson on this one. It's definitely uh, a little bit of humble pie for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that's the hard part is the only way to f- kind of find the acorn crop is putting boots on the ground, yeah. right? There's no, yeah, it, yeah. No. I'm not, a, to be honest, I'm not a big food person. Um, yeah. Yeah, as a rut hunter, I'm hunting around cover, hunting funnels and around doe bedding and stuff like that. I'm not, I don't really worry too much about food. Um, I'm starting to learn a little more in the big wood setting at the importance of acorns, but a lot of times they're on them clear cuts. They still have a lot of food. Um, but in this area here with such a low deer density, it burned me. There, the acorns are extremely important. I've learned real quick, you know, you've got to go down there and probably, that's where you probably got to do a little in-season scouting. Um, you know, if you like the cell cam, now if I'd have ran a cell cam down and left it up, I would have saw real quick something's not right. And then I would have went there probably first day, did a little scouting, realized it, and I would just went somewhere else. That's what I would have did, you know. So yeah, it was a it was a hard lesson. Um it's uh I'm not pissed about it, but I got a bad taste in my mouth and now I'm gonna be putting a lot of miles in down here this year, let me tell you. Or yeah. Now yeah. I want like for us, just because you I know you talk about it a lot and 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 I know for us planning on where we hunt, you do take in consideration. We got to find that food for these deer. Like for like, like I kind of going back, Ryan, how I said, like we struggle to find dough. We've, we struggle to get this deer. Like you're like, even just around houses, we didn't see as many deer. You know what I mean? That we normally would come in and see, wow. Okay. There's a doe group. Like, okay. Around the house. We didn't even have that. What, like for us, for food, like, for in-season scouting, I mean, we there was just a massive acorn drop that it was tough. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of up on the mountain, like where we hunt on public land, there wasn't a ton of acorns. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was certain areas, um, but the the core areas we normally hunt, it, it just wasn't there this year. Um, you know, especially yeah. around our houses and stuff too. And I think that had 
a lot to do with it. And I yeah. think the wet, the wet fall, um, yeah, really had a lot of um, plentiful, you know, um, f- browsing. Yeah, so they didn't have yeah. to really travel that far. So I think yeah. that yeah, very likely. <clears throat> yep. Yeah, I just because like even to talk about like back at home at the club at up on the mountain, this was the first year, Ryan, that we had acorn drop in like five years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you got a good mass crop and it'll spread them out, you know, it will. You know, sometimes you don't want a real good mass crop. You know know what I mean? You can hone down because if you hone on where it's at, you're going to be in chips, you know. Yeah, that's just October. I I thought for us, for me personally, like how you were saying about feeling like you got burned, like was that yeah. like I didn't do enough, quote unquote, in season scouting just because yeah. I was hunting. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like I don't have yeah. the time, so it was like okay, when I had that time, it's like go hunt. Um, yeah, I do the same thing. That's probably my probably my flaw as a hunter is uh, is my in season scouting. Um, I I'm, I. I go so much off the of historic data, my postseason scouting stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of go off of that. And sometimes, like I said, you get in a pinch like I was in Ohio. I'm not going to say you're lazy, but you just get stubborn because you're hunting. You want to hunt. You know what? You're better off take a day or two and scout. And you're, it's going to it's gonna pay off for you. You know, I, that's probably my biggest flaw myself is my in-season scouting is I kind of I get stubborn a little bit. And I'm like, well, if I just put my time in. You know, these, these areas, I know it's going to eventually happen, you know, so that's, it burns me too. It is time for this week's Vortex Nation Highlight. What's up, guys? This is Troy from Dietrich's Outfitters with this week's Vortex Nation Highlight. This highlight and tip is about the cold weather that we have coming up. This tip would be um, uh, a tip to stay warm in the stand, that is. So what I'm talking about here is I, I like to bring, uh, of course, some layers with me. I layer correctly with uh, lots of merino stuff. But even that, I tend to get cold. So years ago, I guess just probably last year or the year before that, I picked up a, a down jacket um, actually for a western hunt. And, um, last year I just picked up some down zip off pants. So what I'll do is I'll pack them in the bottom of my pack. Um, they pack down pretty small and they weigh almost nothing. And then once I start cooling off into this, in the stand, I'll just throw those right over my clothing. They're not overly quiet and they're not durable. So you don't want to be like walking through, um, you know, brush and stuff with them. That's why I keep them in my pack, but they keep you so warm. Even if you just throw that right over top of your pants, that's what I do. And, uh, and the jacket as well. Uh, they're quiet enough where if you move slowly, you're not going to spook anything, but that's the tip. Uh, it's not, not new to Western hunters. That's what Western hunters do. You know, when they're glassing, they'll throw on some down, uh, uh, jacket or pants to stay warm. And it's the same concept, but you just don't see it too much on the East coast here. So hopefully that helps you guys out this winter. If you guys haven't killed a buck yet this year, I hope you guys get one early rifle season. Get after it. Good luck. Yeah. How do you approach October? Um, October, I've killed a few bucks in October. Be honest, with you, I <laughs> I tell people I said I suck in October, you know, because uh, I think a lot of it's location based, an area you hunt. To be honest with you, um, okay. you can beat yourself up in October, and you see a lot of people tagging some great bucks in October. Like, what the hell am I doing wrong? Now, some guys got that betting game down to a T, and they're phenomenal at it. Uh, me, I'm not a bed hunter. Um, what I notice in my area, so much pressure in my area. I'll get good boxes coming in daylight, you know, right before the season. And what happens is these guys are in, this, in the woods a week or two before the season. 
you know, scouting, they're hanging stands and everything else. Now they're hanging their cameras. These deer get so much pressure in my area before the, you know, before even the archery starts. And what happens in big bucks, they hole up really, they start to hole up tight or they get on the, they'll just shift on the private where it's not much pressure sometimes. I'm not saying you can't kill them, get on them, but for me, that's why I primary rut hunt, you know, because what happens, these big bucks, they just hole up on me. Um, and I struggle to really get on my cameras. I'll, you know, I'll see them at nights occasionally, you know, stuff like that. But it will literally so they, you know, everybody talks about this October, October law. You know, I don't really don't believe in an October law. I think it's just the area you're in, like my area, you get so much pressure. Like here in PA, you know, we got a ton of bow hunters. Well, then we got a ton of squirrel hunters, a ton of grouse hunters, a ton of pheasant hunters. You know, that is a ton of pressure in the woods, you know, when these deer haven't been bothered for, you know, how many months. Yeah. So that for October for me, basically, um, it's to be honest with you, sometimes it just I go out to breakfast with my dad on Saturday hunting evenings and you know, I, I hunt near work. I get out, shoot a couple of doe if I can, or just just be out to be honest with me for me. Um it's, it's a part of my game I need to be better when like I said it comes at in season scouting. Um, but I kinda lay back in October because of my situation and then come about that last week or whatever, October is when I get serious. That, that's just my hunting style for my area. I'm a I'm a, now I'm gonna contradict myself here a little bit. Um, but we were going back, we were talking about trail cameras. What I'm starting to see is big bucks in October, the yeah. mid off you know, early. Now that's something I'm I'm just starting to learn after my, you know, I'm pulling these cameras when it's already past due that time. Um, now that's something I will change, you know, going forward in my October. Maybe instead of just kind of being a little bit lazy and laid back in October, because I know I'm waiting on the end of October and in November. Yeah. Um, that's probably where I'm gonna start running more cell cams. And when I get the information I need, I'm gonna go and kill. You know what I mean? I'm, you know what I mean? That's kind of how I think I'm going to start playing it um, moving forward. You know, your, your cell cams, if I don't have service, I'm going to try to check these cameras a little more often. You know, every, you know, I don't want to be in a ton, but you know what I mean? Yep. Uh, enough information where I can go and I feel confident and kill. That's probably what, how I'll change my October uh, moving forward. I like it. Now, how, how are you going to use those cell cameras to kind of tell you when to go in there? Like, if you if you're at work and you, you get a buck on your cell camera, um, hitting hitting that scrape, you know, are you trying to go in there that night? Or are you um, looking for that same wind direction in the next few days? Or you know, what is your strategy once that buck pops up on that cell camera? And what um, intel on you know whether it's uh, um, cold front or wind direction that you're looking for to tell you when to go in there next? Um, if I guess scenario, like what I've been seeing, like I said, I've been seeing these bucks hit, you know, in October, beginning, mid October, I have seen a lot around fronts. Um, I've seen them literally, it could be 70 degrees and that storm's coming through within a half hour. It can be 70 degrees and I've seen them on them scrapes or the next day. It, it, it kind of, every situation a little different than that, but if I'm sitting at work, say I get a cell cam pick that afternoon that evening next day i'm in there next afternoon i am in there you, you know what i mean um less and only reason i won't be if is there if the wind is wrong it, you know it's it, i can know where he's coming from that's the situation there you just got to kind of you know every situation can be different than that you got to read that um but how i would do it like I said, if i got pictures of him or if i went in and pulled the sd card and i see he's there every say 
once or twice a week he's in there. Um, I would probably be looking at next week of the weather fronts. You know, the wind, if he's, you know, kind of go back to data, see what wind he's in. Maybe he's coming consistently in on a west wind or something like that. I do see that sometimes, not all the time, but I do see that bucks will come in on a certain wind direction. You know, so maybe he's only coming in on a west wind. You know what I mean? There's not really a front coming through, but the wind shifts. He's coming in on west wind. Well, I'm going to go and hunt that evening, try to kill him. Um, that's something I'm going to do um, and start paying attention to more next year when it comes to October. That's how I'm going to play that card. Yeah. We have a camera right now where we have on public land and have it up high and it's over a scrape. And I mean, we get deer constantly on at all times of day right now. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. know everything, what you were saying has that, that cover, it has that travel route. It just, yeah. it has everything. And, uh, and we've noticed too, like I can, I can pull up that text. You're like, man, they love that West wind, <laughs> you know? And, oh, yeah. yeah. Sometimes you see, I don't see like, you know, our buddy said, you know, a big buck only walks with the wind. I've seen them walk every damn which way there is. Now, certain bucks, they just like people have personalities. Yeah. Some, uh, yeah, they're only going to do a certain thing. Just You just got to go and check that data and see what how it all matches up sometimes. No, absolutely. Well, how are you? Uh, what's so obviously getting boots to the ground and, and going there? Anything other that you learned from Ohio? Because I know you had a couple buddies. Did you have two buddies? To, uh, yeah, there was uh, three other guys in camp. Um, I was actually down there with, uh, if you guys know, know uh, Nathan Killen. Um, yep. He's already one of the best whitetail hunters in the country. Uh, um, I will say this. I didn't tag a bucket, man. I learned a shitload of stuff in a week from that man. It was it was an awesome trip. Overall, I tell you what, it's probably one of the best hunting trips I've ever been on. It was an absolute blast with the guys in camp. Um, I learned a lot, um, and that's probably something I took from him. Um, his strategy down there, I should have did what he did on day two. Um, he had a little bit of scouting down there, but what he did was basically the same thing. He knew the area, you know, just you got to go by your gut. Um, and once you do this long enough, you get the woodsmanship stuff down, go by your gut. It'll tell you it's 99% of the time. You're going to be right. Just go by that. And, uh, you know, he would just, he was playing, you know, he's looking to sign. He was, he had that feel and he was bouncing around and, you know, he did it. You know, it was, it was cool to watch him. It was like watching artists paint a, a, a picture, you know, just yeah. watch them each, each day, just bounce around. That's probably what I learned a lot down there is, uh, don't get stubborn. I mean, it's an area you do need to, you know, once you're in the spot, that's where you're going to put two, three, four days maybe in. Um, but you got to be in that spot. You know, you can't be just hoping for for something to come by down there. Right. Well, let do you want to let's talk about your your PA story then for this year because, like I said, you've been doing it for consistently almost it seems like every year. You know, how about this year? Because I know you said it went off a little bit of historical area. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. The the, the PA is pretty well textbook how I hunt. I guess you can say. Um, now, this area here, I do have a lot of uh, history for the area. You know, I have a lot of historic data, camera. I have a lot of uh, past history just being in that spot. Um, so the confidence is there. You know, confidence kills. Um, basically, what happened this year was I think it was around, I think my my rut vacation this year started on October 22nd. I think it was real warm the week leading up to that. I think it was like the yeah. 20th or something. We had a storm come in. And I had a pretty good buck show up, nice solid three-year-old, you know, mid-120 show up on camera. And uh, and the temperature dropped pretty good that evening. And I had another solid buck with the one that ended up killing coming at nighttime. So I started seeing these bucks daylighting and even like nighttime pictures don't bother me. Um, everybody like, yeah, you love daylight pictures, but if I'm getting that buck multiple times at night, I'm in this core area. And, and as October gets into November, 
I'm pretty confident I put some time in there. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to see him in daylight. But anyway, I was starting to get solid bucks on camera. I knew the area. So I knew I was leaving for Ohio the following week. So I actually went in there the next day, and there's uh, some private property in there. They kind of, there were some guys in there. They just, Long story short, they just kind of screwed me up. So I backed out of there. My cameras actually went dead for a couple of days. Um, so I figured, you know, I'm just back out here, give it a couple of days. And I think it was Monday. I went to the mountains. It was kind of slow. We had another front come through. I was like, you know what? Um, I got a couple good bucks on camera. I know the area. So basically what I did is I was, I was doing a three-day plan. I like to do that. About three days, I figured I'm going to give it Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And I was leaving Friday for uh, for Ohio. So I went there Tuesday. It was slow. I think it was like a misty type day, if I remember, 50s or something like that. I can't recall. But um, it was a little rainy day a little bit there. And I didn't see much. Only a couple of deer. But I was like, you know what? I'm coming back here more. Wind was good. And, uh, and it started out. I saw that buck. Um, there was a couple of doe bedded by me on a ridge about 75, 80 yards away or something like that. I heard something. It was about a portal 10. And I had seen him. He came in bumping does, bumped them two does up. And I uh, watched him for a little bit. There's a little bit of thicket out from me, about 100 yards. And uh, I thought he left, to be honest with you. And then uh, I think it was about 1130 ish. I heard something and I pulled the binders. He was just standing over there. He standing over that damn doe. She wasn't ready. But he was just up there grunting, snorting, snort wheezing. A couple little bucks came in. It was just a shit show for about 10 minutes, you know. And uh, what happened was the doe broke. He bumped her. And uh, he bumped her a little too close for me. He kept going forward. She was nowhere near the heat. But uh, he got him got him in trouble. So, uh, but uh, what happened there was just, you know, I have just historic data with the area. And then I saw what was on camera. I started getting some daylight, started getting some activity even at night. And bucks were up and moving. I just knew that area. I'm like, you know what? If I put a couple of days in, I'm probably getting an opportunity to pretty solid block, and that's the end of what happened. Nice. Now, can you describe this this area? I mean, I, I mean, I know you said you kind of have some history with this area, but can you explain to someone that's listening to you know why this is a very popular spot for you to go to sit? You know, what's the terrain features? What where is the bedding on this uh, terrain, and how that played into where your stand choice was as well? Yeah, no, let me get my bearings here. Um, okay, if you're looking at a compass, north would be a bedding area, like a creek bottom, real thick, nasty area. Um, south would be a ridge, which is with some really, really good bedding also. And I think it would even be, it'd be south, southwest, there's some pretty good bedding there also. So there's like three really good bedding areas. There's a couple actually little other pockets around there. So basically, I'm set up right in the middle of it. And uh, that ridge comes down to almost like a flat okay terrain wise and um there's a couple good trails in there and they like to spray it from their stuff like yeah but what makes this place unique is just north there when it dumps over into the creek bottom real thick there's a, a cliff actually and this cliff's like 200 foot higher it's like you they're not going up and down nothing at all but uh east and west of it there's two big draws two big ditches and what happens is those deer will funnel up those ditches and out of those thick crick bombs, those bucks will cruise from that crick bottom up to that thick ridge. And basically, I'm in the middle of the X, if you can picture that, basically. Um, they're coming on each side of that cliff, um, on the eastern side and the western side of it, heading up to that southern part of that ridge and that. And it can be all day in there. It'll, it'll be completely dead in October. But once those does start to get ready to come in heat and then bucks will start cruising, those, they'll cruise that ridge hard where they'll come up out of that crick bottom. And I'm just kind of right in the middle. It's not like a. Uh, what's crazy is... Uh, People, I see people walk by me. What's the crazy thing? Like it's overlooked, you know, it's not like a really tight pinch. Like you say, like a creek crossing or ditch funnel or something like that. 
It's just the way everything comes. Like sometimes they're out of range, you know what I mean? Um, but that's just the place I put my time in. Um, I'm going to get an opportunity to good buck eventually. I've actually killed, oh, I think in the last five years, I've killed four pretty good bucks out of that spot. Yeah, it's just, if you, like, I'm a big, big believer um, in a kill tree. Once you learn an area and you can hone in on a spot, you can consistently kill a good buck in an area once. If he's in there, if you know, it's holding the quality, yeah. you can consistently kill a good buck out of the same tree if everything lines up. I'm a big believer in that. Yeah. I haven't had that luck. <laughs> well, and I think, too, I mean, we talk about pinch points, and I think if you hunt the big woods, you, you kind of think of where would a pinch point be, right? You know, I I, I struggle with that a lot because you hear that over and over and over. And, you know, a lot yeah. of people on ag farm and, you know, in the Midwest, it's a little easier to find spots like that, yeah. I feel like, right? You know, you watch videos and you're like, okay, I see how that, but how would you do that in the big woods right and you have big mountains and you're like well you know they could walk really anywhere right you know unless you have like you said a cliff which is obvious yeah no but i i think too like i i know this weekend when i got to the spot where i killed my buck and i'm not going to get in a lot of detail because we are going to do a podcast on it but um but i got up in my tree and and i was walking well even before that i was walking in there and i could kind of got to this ridge and, and i knew where i kind of wanted to be but once i got there you know, there was almost like this little funnel because there was some, you know, it wasn't a cliff, but there were some, you know, rocks three or four feet off the ground. And, you know, there was 20, 30 yards between them where it kind of almost made like a little pinch point where these deer kind of walk through. So, yeah. you know, and then it kind of almost clicked for me where that spot, you know, I'm like, okay, well, this is probably a little pinch point because this is easy access for these deer on the mountain to kind of funnel through this to go into their bedding area. You know, so I, I think you know, you got to kind of figure out, you know, how a pinch point is going to be for the train you're hunting. Right. You know, yeah. not always as obvious as you think. And that's another reason you either got to get your butt in the stand and see where deer are moving and how they're moving. Right. And if mm -hmm. you get down, go over to where, where they were walking or, you know, if you only see them a hundred or 120 yards away, you may not understand why they're traveling through there, right? You might not be able to actually see that terrain feature that caused them to take that path, right? You know, so putting your boots on the ground or getting down midday, walking over there and seeing that trail and kind of figuring out, well, why, why were they traveling that way is going to be a huge part in learning the big woods and these mountains of how these deer are traveling. Yeah, a couple of good areas I looked at, I like to find in the big woods, mountains type I'm, I'm you know, honing in on now is, I guess, uh, these hubs of uh, travel. Um, there's two different ways to look at it. You can look at it like a bowl. You can have multiple ridges dumping down into a bottom, um, make a hub. Um, a lot of times in places, that's where you're going to find a big scrape. Um, now, those are hard to hunt. Now, if they're, you can hunt them. You know what I mean? Depending on how the, you know, a lot of times those will have a creek running them, something like that. You know, if that creek's running east to west and you get a hard west wind, you know, you can get down in some of them places, depending on how it's set up and hunt them bottoms. Or what you can do is come off one of those points. Sometimes you can figure out which point that's dumping down in and then bucks prefer, you know, by reading the sign, the cover, stuff like that. Um, those areas are pretty damn good. Um, like I said, if you can play the thermal to play the wind, that gets a little tricky down there. But the other thing is, you kind of flip-flop that to the top of a ridge. If you have a lot of points, a lot of different ridges connecting to like a central location, you know, like the X, 
you know, you got, you know, a ridge run north to south and east to west. You know, you get right in the middle of that hub there, you can see some great travel on those ridges on top of the ridge. I say a lot of times people say, oh, they don't travel top of the ridge. BS. It, you know, and that's BS. Um, you you can catch them there. I mean, a lot of times that comes down to your cover and your edge and stuff like that. You know, there's still got to be some type of security there a lot of times for them bucks. But uh, those can be just a damn highway. You, yeah, you know, they can be. That's exactly what you just said. That's exactly how my dad killed his buck yesterday. They said if, if that if that spot there, if a few things are coming together, it's going to be a pretty damn good spot, I'll guarantee it. That's what I said. Sometimes people hone on like one thing they're looking for, looking for a scrape or looking for just that rub line. Okay, now let, let's let's put some other pieces together. Let's find that spot off of that where they're, okay, the scrape line is going into a, a creek crossing. Right. Now, you know what I mean? You you want to put a couple things together in an area to make that productive. Now you're going to have multiple opportunities in that spot. That's what I'm looking for to make a spot really good. And that could be on top of a ridge. It could be on the bottom of a ridge. It could be the upper one third. It could be the bottom third. Who knows? You know, that let hunt where the deer tell you to hunt. I mean, I'm, I, I don't want the season to be over. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm ready to get, get my notepad and homework going yeah. and, and getting out there, man. Sure. Let me tell you, the, the, you know, we all do this for the, you know, walking up when you put all this work in and man, you walk up on a good buck, you put the air through him, whatever, bullet, whatever, man, you th that's the high I chase. That is when you walk up on a good buck and you put all that work in, man, that's what we chase. You, I can't get that high anywhere else. You know, it, it's my drug. But the, the, the second thing that I absolutely love is the process, the postseason scouting, man, I could just walk. On a Saturday, I can just walk and walk. And then you throw in shed hunting. Man, that postseason, I absolutely cannot wait to start putting miles on. I love it. I love that time of year. Yeah. That is by far my favorite. I love that. Well, Dimitri's tagged out with, with a buck tag. I mean, he has a doe tag left to go. Uh, he's saving that for for rifle. He just wants to yep, get out. That's what I do. And you're doing the same. Now, yep. for someone like me that is still trying to <laughs> fill a buck tag, what advice do you – I mean – just looking at my work week this week, I might be able to sneak one more hunt, uh, maybe two uh, for uh, after work. And they're going to be quick hunts because I'll be able to get up in the stand for the last maybe 40 minutes if possible. Um, but, hey, it's it's two more times that I could possibly go with the bow in hand. What advice do you got? For this last week of bow? Yeah. It, for You know what? They're locking down. There's yeah. no doubt they're going to start locking down now. Um, it doesn't mean you can't kill one. Though. It does get a little slower. Um, if, if I, if like now what I would be, what I've seen a lot of these big bucks do is, um, uh, I'd be looking for some thick cover. Um, if you can find like an overgrown field, a brushy little patch kind of out of the way, man, them bucks like to push them does in spots to where they're not going to get harassed by the year and a half, two year old stuff like that. Yeah. Um, almost look for that overlooked brushy spot. Um, if you can find, I tell you what, man, one of the best things you can find overgrown pasture. I'm telling you what, man, that is give me an overgrown uh, pasture anywhere in this country. And I guarantee you're going to kill a pretty damn good buck. Probably out, depending on the pressure, of course. But, man, that is my favorite. If you can find an overgrown pasture, man, I just there's something about them. Um, man, and big bucks just love that stuff. I like that, dude. Well, good stuff. Where, uh, where, where you did Ohio or I'm sorry, you did Iowa last year. You did. Last, yeah, I've been there. That was my third time there, and I think my first trip there was 2010. And then last year I went, I, I drew my tag last year, and I was there. So it's got a beautiful buck, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
buck of a lifetime. And where where uh, else do you have coming up plans for the future the next couple of years? Boys? Well, you know what? I, 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 I shot that buck here in 27. I, I take a month off for the rut. Yeah. Well, I shot that buck and went to high of, you know, my poor wife between the weekend, you know, I took that first week there. I was off, you know, pretty hard in PA. They went to high. So basically was home for two weeks, you know, and she's here with three-year-old. You know how that is. Yeah. Um, so I, I wasn't going to get back to Ohio, you know, and, and like I said, I need to do some postseason scouting down here to feel confident to get down there. You know, I could go down there now and just put stand on back and hunt. Um, but it, like I said, it's a pretty rough area. I think I'm just better off going to postseason there, but I need a third state, <laughs> you know, Kentucky, Illinois, Kansas, somewhere like, man, I'm sitting here. I got vacation. I've been home. I've taken a couple long weekends. I'm bored. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I need to be a damn tree. This is not cool. I, I mean, Grant, it's fantastic having a buck tag filled in PA, but shit, I want to be up a damn tree. It's a rut, you know? So I'm going a little nuts here. So I got to plan this out a little better next year, just in case I tag out, tag out in PA, you know, either some more time in a high or get a third state, you know? Yeah. Well, hey, New York has some great opportunities. And- yeah. I've actually had a couple of uh, people hit me up with New York. You know, a couple, a uh, couple things have come up here. So it's definitely something I'm looking into. Yeah, talk to our buddy yeah. Bill Harvey with Pertner Outdoors. He, cool. He, yeah, Bill's a good guy, and he's cool. uh, he seems like he's having the same season I'm having. And uh, his brother already tagged out on a nice buck, and uh, you know, some so. people have been struggling. You know, it gets hard. But, you know, you watch that damn social media. Oh. You kind of think you're the only damn person in the world that can't kill about this year. <laughs> so it can get a little stressful. Yeah, it can. Like I said last year, that was the pressure, man. It was like so stupid after you think about it. And you're like, what the frig? It's yeah, it's, yeah. it's hunting. It's it's mm-hmm. me. The, you know, you know like, nobody, end of the day, nobody cares what you kill. In the moment, yeah. you have your 15 minutes of fame when you kill, when you put on Instagram, Facebook, whatever. You get your 15 minutes of fame. After that, nobody gives a shit. I can get, <laughs> you know what I mean? It really, it is. Nobody gives a shit. You know, yeah. I've learned that over the years. I, I've been truly blessed to kill some good bucks. I'm at the point now where I want to kill bigger, more mature bucks. That is the point where I'm. That's just me. I yeah. can give. I, I enjoy Instagram. I enjoy getting stories on her. I enjoy helping new hunters, average hunters, kids out. I, that's the only reason I do it. To be honest with you, I don't give a shit about the like and follows. Is killing these. This this is me. That this is for me. It ain't yeah. for anybody else. Exactly. I I love that, and I think we, you've harped on it since we started. Mm-hmm. You know, and and no matter what, and the same thing. It's. <laughs> You know, I talked to my dad today and I, you know, I said, Hey, when I come in, I said, I really don't care. I said, I'm, I'm in the business of, of, of hunting deer. And, you know, when I, hopefully I I could get to a part where I'm successful year after year after year, but until I get there and I have that moment where I'm like, you know what, I am going to try to dive in deeper or hold out and I have this buck or whatever, but I'm not there yet. So I, I want to, if it has, my dad even said, he's like, Hey, it has three points. Uh, you know, you're, you're good. Hey, man. Your tag, man. What, that's what I tell people, exactly. I, you know, everybody starts out with a goal beginning yeah. at starting the season. And I'm a big believer, you know what? That goal can change. Everybody has a tough season, gets their balls kicked in. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they get towards the end of the season. You want to put meat on the table, put meat on the table. It's your tag. You shoot yeah. what you want to shoot, you know? Yeah. Hell yeah, man. I, I mean, right now I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm out of my meat from last year. So I'm like, shit, uh, you know, I know my wife doesn't eat it as much. Like we have, you know, we do family meals. My daughter loves it and all that type of stuff. But mm-hmm. I mean, there's going to be times in the winter where I'm like, Oh, I really could go for that. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. have it right now. So 
you know, I, I have a little honey hole when it comes to late season because I know where these doe congregate and, mm-hmm. know and where food is and where they bed. So I've been pretty successful there the last three years with my late season doe tag filling that. Yeah. But, you know, I don't want to just use that, you know, so I'm still yeah. I'm going to find out there as best and as hard as I can and have fun. And like you said, man, it's it's your tag. It, yep. You know, yep, and I, right. the one thing about social media, I, I will say the one cool thing that I've noticed more people doing is saying like, quit, like making it a public announcement for people like quit announcing to say, I'm sorry. Or like, I know it's not the biggest, but yeah, I've noticed that here last couple of days, guys yeah, been posting like, it up pretty good. Great. Yeah. Like, you know, that's yeah. Cool. But, yeah. Cause like I said, you know what, and, and you get, you know, you're crying through the season, like even myself, you know, I've had, have experienced ground shrinkage. <laughs> it happens. Yeah. Just, you got excited. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. hey, be happy for it. You got you fired up. That's what I tell guys. They get you fired up. They, yep. Is it? There's nothing to, you don't have to apologize for anything. Dude. And here's the other thing. Did it fire you up? Yes. Did you recover the deer? Yes. That means you put on a good ethical shot or yeah. you recovered it. You put on a shot where you killed a deer. Bow hunting's freaking hard. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. Extremely hard. Guys don't realize like so sometimes you, 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 what you, you get on, like a lot of young kids would reach out to me and a lot of, you know, guys are new into it. And they think it's easy. You know, I think they get frustrated because they, some people make it look easy. It's yeah. not easy. You know, I, I spend this year, you know, I tagged out October 27th. That's early for me. It's not for me to put a couple hundred hours in a tree stand before I pack, you know, especially if you're in a pressured area. Now, you know, hey, if you're on a managed property, less pressure, is it easier? Yes. Doesn't mean you don't work hard for it, but it right. is. And I think some people read too much in the social media part of it. And uh, guys get down on themselves and don't realize it, it's it's freaking hard to, to yeah. arrow a good buck or just a yeah. buck in general, even a damn doe sometimes, you know? Exactly. No, 100%. I mean, like I said, where I hunt back at home with the private club and my dad hunted every day last week, I think, but one day and he, he barely saw deer. And yeah. this is, this is a, and with that whole half, half that side of that mountain is like he and I. I, you know, when we got in, I saw deer Friday, I saw a doe Saturday morning, but yesterday, I, I mean, I didn't see anything until literally we, Ryan, we were leaving and I saw the biggest deer on the hoof. I yeah. mean, I mean, just, I mean, it looked like a friggin' Christmas tree was on them and all that type of stuff, but you know, it is what it is, dude. And, and I, I'm, I'm excited to, to continue to get after it and learn and grow and get better. And oh, that's all get- you can do. You know what? It, it's. The more time you put in this, the better woodsman you become. That's yeah. the key. Woodsmanship, patience, persistence. That's what consistently kills um, good whitetails. You know, yeah. once you become a good woodsman, it all starts coming together. You know what I mean? That's just, that's time and tree, boots on the ground. That's where that all comes in right there. Yeah, dude. I appreciate it. Like I said, I mean, just even how much, one, I've grown by getting out there, like you said, put boots on the ground the last four or five years, you know, just – learning from even dimitri and my dad his dad and having all these episodes now with our podcast dude it's so neat to like pick up little things and be like yeah okay that does work or that is a great strategy you you, you kind of these light you have these light bulb moments and you know it's fun you have to pick your own strategy. like you'll learn over time is to uh you maybe you'll become a great bed hunter or a rut hunter or whatever you may be sitting on a box mono food plot your thing Find out what works for you and just build off of that. That's Excellent. what you need to do. Awesome, Ryan. Well, dude, I want to keep you much, much longer, but where could people find you and follow you? And, you know, like you said, and if people have advice or, or ask, I'm sorry, if questions, like where could they hit you up? 
Um, hit me up on Instagram um, under Moose1720. Um, I'm, I usually try to stay pretty active on there. Like you said, you'll see just see some big meathead on a Saturday walking through the woods, bullshitting about something typically. I like it, man. Well, dude, Ryan, thank you so much for coming yep, on. Thank I, you, guys. I'll tell you what, though. I would like to uh, – uh, I know sometimes you know, people say this and guests say this and all that type of stuff. I would like to definitely – come on like once the season starts uh for scouting rolls in rolls around and we could kind of bounce maybe some uh see what you're seeing and talk yep. about that as, as well because yep. i think that's that that'd yep. be some good stuff yep that sounds good for me man i'm always i'm always up to bullshit about whitetails always <laughs> i love it man well thank you yep. everybody thanks for listening hope you enjoy this one till next time antler up and that's a wrap for another episode of the Antler Up podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you go check Ryan out. He's a great dude. Lots of lots of knowledge, especially when it comes to going out scouting. And don't forget, check out Antler Up Outdoors. Check out our YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, as well as our Go Wild page. And episode 100 is coming. We're going to have a massive giveaway. More details are going to be on all those platforms. Check it out. It's coming up. Here we go. Antler Up.